Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the Jayberg Wilk Learning Series. I'm Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Rabbi, and thank you for the hospitality of your entire staff, Isabel included, wherever she is. And thank you for coming tonight. If you cannot hear me, just scream and yell and tell me that I'm being annoying, whatever. Um, so tonight is a somewhat beginning genealogy lecture, but just in case, <laughs> I was speaking at the Smithsonian uh, Institution in September. And I asked what the level of the geneal of the people coming would be, and they said they're beginners. And you and I know that there there are always different levels, and there's always some who are experts. So I prepared in that way, and they were all beginners. They knew nothing, so that was a big surprise for me. But I'm assuming that there'll be different levels. I know some of you have worked with DNA before, so we're going to do a little bit here and there. This is a combination of a Jewish gen talk and a beginning genealogy talk. It's a little disheveled, but so is the research. So it's going to go back and forth from my family was from here, but you have to know this before you go there. And so you'll see how it all fits in as we go. So before we start delving into the uh, various archives in Ukraine, there's a couple things uh, I always talk to people about first. Um, why you're doing this? Is it to find cousins, to avoid family, to know who you do not want to talk to? Uh, I do this privately for our clients also, and some of them really want to go back. Someone have done a great deal of research, but they don't know how to put it together. Everyone has a different reason. Uh, for, and even with DNA, some people want to find cousins, and others want to make sure that they are who they are. Uh, and quite simple. So uh, the first thing I always recommend to people, if they're beginning or even if they're not, there are so many finished family trees online. But the first thing you have to do is look for the family trees. Some of you know I was just in Berlin this past week, and I met with this wonderful young people in a sports club. And what they had done was the people in the sports club today, we're talking thousands of teenagers involved in the club, they had figured out recently that one of the founders of the club was Jewish and had been murdered in the Holocaust. And these students were all training how to find out about this guy, his family, his background. And they couldn't find any cousins. They wanted to share the memorial the, or um, all the programs and everything. and so. I said I would help them find out. Well, it took all of about 10 minutes because all these family trees are online and these people didn't really know how to, to take a look at that. So 
One of the famous stories about Karen Franklin is I called a friend to ask a question about naturalization, which is not my specialty. And his famous line is, you're Karen Franklin and you don't know that? So we all have our specialties. I'm Karen Franklin. There's a whole lot of things I don't know, but I do know who to call or I do know how to, to get help. And there are many, many genealogists on these various online platforms that we'll talk about who are very, very happy to help. Some, a couple of years ago, I was watching the video, and I don't usually do this, but of one of these genealogy conferences, and there was a speaker who was so inspiring about telling your family stories that I called my son, who considers himself sort of an inspirational speaker, and I said to him, Ross, you have got to listen to this. This is so amazing. This woman is teaching you how to tell stories and never heard back from him. I called him a, a week or so later. I said, Ross, did you listen to the video? He said, Mom, that was the worst video you have ever sent me. He said, I did watch it. And the woman on there says, if you tell a good story, people will ask you to tell it again and again. He said, you think I'm going to hear one of your stories one more time? Are you crazy? <laughs> so it really makes one think about what is the story that you want to tell, both to yourselves and to your children. Why are you doing this? But if you tell them about all the people who were murdered all the time and they're five years old or your grandchild, it's not the right story. So that's something to think about as you do your research for yourself and for others. So. One of the wonderful things that I do with clients is sometimes I find people want help, but they want to do it themselves. They don't want to necessarily do it for them. And they're particularly happy when their children and grandchildren can be involved in it. So as you do your searches, you might want to think about maybe having children, grandchildren, cousins in on the email exchanges so that they can all participate in the process of doing the work that you like. Now, here we go back and forth with location and location. What makes Jewish genealogy so special is that it is based in the town from Europe uh, that your family came from. I was once with some friends who are not Jewish, and uh, I asked, where, where is your family from? And they said, Pennsylvania. And I said, no, but before that, and they said, New Jersey. So, <laughs> It, it's different with us, and it, it, it makes a difference as to where you're going. So we're going to go back and forth. If, if you, can you all see on in someone's way? Um, there are many different ways. How many of you do know the towns or town where your families came from? Okay, sort of, sort of. And that doesn't include Russia, Poland, right? You actually like know, the, okay, yeah. good. So, so I have listed here several ways if you didn't know the name that you could look for it. Jewish Gen has a wonderful communities database, which you'll see, which is the place to start. But there are other ways that you can look for the town itself. One of them is Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem's website uh, has different databases. But the one that I use all the time, <laughs> I was so happy to see <clears throat> that with my very bad artistic capabilities, that there's all these different things. If you, if you make PowerPoints or keynotes, they give you examples of all the beautiful slides that you can make. 
So I started doing it, and then when I show it, you can't see a thing, because they, they're all like 18 years old, and they have great eyesight. So if you can't read something here, you don't really have to read it, read it in order to understand. This is um, a town I look both for, in this case, I look for the town as Timkovici. And you can look in Yad Vashem for all the people from Timkovici who died. And that's sometimes very helpful if you don't know the exact names. Or you can look at the last names. What's the database that you do? It's the um, names database from Yad Vashem. Pages, it's pages of testimony, it's is called. It only this is a, particularly is a Holocaust database. They used to have only the victims. Now they have, in part, victims and survivors, mm -hmm. or different databases that uh, not everyone has, has died that's, that's listed. So that's the pages of testimony of Yad Vashem. There's also, on Jewish Gen, there's, a, and you'll, I'll show this to you a little later, there's a shortcut. Um, some, when Yad, when um, Ellis Island Records first came out, you had to do the exact spelling. And some genealogists figured out a database, um, a system that really is favorable to the way Jewish names were spelled. And you can look in many different ways in many different towns. So if you don't know the name of your Bubby, but you know she was from this town, you can look up all the Esters from Tim Kavici or the, all the names that sound like Esther from Tim Kavici. This is great for people who say they changed the name, and I don't know what the name is. There's some really creative ways of finding out. And you said that was through Jewish Gen? The, the, you get to this database from Jewish Gen. I'll show you how to do it. And it's a, a very good way to search. What I always do, and I'll come back to this again and again, is a difference from doing genealogy today as it was from years ago is that there's so much more online. And on Ancestry, you used to have to take a name and search it. That was a very clever way of doing it. But now, there's so many trees online that, um, and so much information. If you put your tree online, it will, and it will give you hints. These little green things are hints. And it does the searching for you. And then you just check and see if they got it right and add it on your tree. And it's like instant uh, ability to organize and instant finding stuff that just wasn't there years ago. Is that questions you? We'll come back, we'll come back to it so you'll see. Another um, genealogy database that I said there's so many trees online now. This is Genie. Does everybody know Genie? Does anybody know Genie? It's, it's one of the um, family, it's, it's a genealogy database. And what's interesting about Genie is it's Google-ish. It's Google searchable. Mm -hmm. So if you put the name in and it's on Genie, it will come up. Yeah? What I do is I toggle back and forth because a lot of times I can get the record in Genie and not in Ancestry. And then I do more research on very good. Yeah. Are there charges to use these databases, like with Ancestry and all that stuff? Ancestry is pricey. Yeah, but what about this one you're talking there, about? Jewish Genie, Genie, Genie is free. What about the Jewish Gen? Um, Jewish Gen yeah. is free, but if you want to use its greatest search capabilities, you pay a fee. But it's, it's not a huge amount of money. How do you spell Genie so I can? 
Yeah, it's G E N I. Oh, okay. Thank no you. problem, Jeannie. Yep. There you go. That there you go. Or you can also go. It's in South Scottsdale. The um, LDS. Yeah, LDS Library. See, you guys are good. Yeah. So, so for Jeannie, what's kind of humorous about it is my husband, who claims he has to put up with all my boring stories for all these years, he really got into Jeannie because he liked putting the photos of his ancestors on Jeannie. And he thought I was boring. Listening to your husband, who's just getting this in for the first time, this is boring. <laughs> but the good part is, See, what do, what do I say? Grandma gets bragging rights. He put in the photos of my grandchildren, so that's what she looks like. It's two years ago. Um, the, the other thing about this, and this is very personal, but I think it's actually interesting. My, there's someone in my family who, had a, who was not married and had a child, and he wants to see this child when this child grows up. And he's put all the information on Genie and all the other databases. And he's hoping that at some point the child will come to him. So I mean, it's just an interesting thing to think about in terms of getting your information out there if you do or don't want to be found. Another one is MyHeritage, which you just spoke about. It's a database that has, it's both research oriented and there are family trees on it. MyHeritage owns Genie, but there are some trees on MyHeritage that aren't on Genie. So, so L LDS, the, the Mormons have, in some ways, really good data that's, that you can't find anywhere else, but you have to know how to use the site. And I would say the same with MyHeritage. Ancestry is probably the easiest mm -hmm. to use. So if you're dyed-in-the-wool genealogist and have to have everything, you have to use all of them. I, I wouldn't necessarily say this one is the best. It depends on what you want. But um, yeah, they're all out there. And this is the family search. And it's not necessarily the one that, that Jews use the most. But I found this Kulikovsky family I was looking for on uh, family search and nowhere else. So it's familysearch.org. And it's the Mormons. And they have amazing, amazing records. LDS. This is kind of an obscure one, but it has stuff that other ones don't. It's called GenieNet. And there, there are other ones also in, in, in Europe that are, I, I can't remember what they are, but there are many, many, many of these databases. But it's the first place to go, because why do it and then find out someone's already put the tree up for you? <clears throat> but the other thing I have to say about all these trees, I did as you'll see, uh, a book uh, in 1982. And when I look back at the, about my family, I was young, yes, I was young. When I look back at that, and I look at the correspondence that I had with these various cousins, it was a different field than it is today, where you find a cousin, you put it on your chart, and that's kind of the end of it. There, the connection isn't there, and the history isn't there. So looking already back at what we said at the beginning, What's, what's your goal? Because if it's to reconnect, it doesn't mean just putting the person on the tree. <clears throat> now, one of the um, things that I do, and it, it often comes, privacy often is an issue. 
Uh, and for me, it's an issue because I'm putting other people's trees up and I don't necessarily have their permission. There are ways for you to put up a tree that's completely private on ancestry, get all the hints, and then if you choose to make a public later, you can. It's a little complicated and I'll show you how to do it, but just mentioning it because that sometimes people do not want to do this kind of work because of that. And here are those little kids who thought we could all see the teeny tiny uh, words in there. These are the hints, that's just what it looks like. How many of you have used hints on ancestry? So just, just a few of them, yeah. So it gives you, these are four different databases and it might be the same person that's on your tree. And if it's your ancestor and you click it, that record gets attached to that person. So next time when you can't remember where you got that from or you want to show somebody else your work, it's right there. Where do you find hints? The green leaves appear on your tree. If oh, you put your tree up, it. yeah, it says, we think this record belongs to you. And there is an extra charge for that, to see the hints. Um, yes, it, well, if you, ha you have to pay for your subscription. But if you're on family search, the hints are free. Okay, I never oh. used that one. But listen to these people and here, and I thought you were beginners, right? Thank you. Jeannie? Jeannie.com. Yeah. And only half the URL is on the screen. Oh, it's genie.com. It's genie.com. G-E-N-I. Is that the one you were thinking of? Genie.com. G-E-N-I. There was another one. There was another one. Ancestry.com? MyHeritage.com? I'm sorry? The obscure one. The obscure, oh, genie net. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. If there's just one to go to. Wait, wait, wait. Is it not easy to ask the question? All I, I don't need to know about cousins. I just want to find out where my grandparents, where they came from. It was a We're getting to that one. Yeah, that's Jewish Jen. That's Jewish Jen. Welcome. Yeah, so, so this is just, if you're interested in doing this private file, I, I can answer questions, but you don't really need to know that. Um, sorry, so I would always recommend, you, you actually, you don't have to be a member of Ancestry to put your tree up. And I really would recommend that everyone who's interested puts a tree up and makes it public. All of these databases, um, they hide anyone who does not have a death date who has lived within the last 100 years. So. Uh, you shouldn't have to worry that someone's going to get this data. If they want more information, there's a place where they can contact you and you can be in touch. Mm -hmm. But I, I know that um, security is, is a very big issue. Google. Google is my best friend. I, in terms of genealogy, especially if you know the town that they came from, and you just Google Levy and Bialystok, it can be very helpful, and particularly with the name of the place. So here's an example. Uh, the family I was looking for, the name was, is Seaman, S-E-E-M-A-N, uh, and I just, and they came from Honesdale in Pennsylvania. So I just did Seaman and Honesdale as the, as the example. And I got the listings on genie.com because it's public, 
And although ancestry records don't appear in Google, find a grave records do. Find a grave is this giant, enormous database of, of graves. And what's really interesting is that once the genealogists get going, they don't just put the photo of the grave or the information, but sometimes they add family information. So here's this semen, and it has links to all, the wife and all of the children, and it even has his obituary on, on here. And of course, the obituaries are a gold mine about what a wonderful man he, he was. And for me, the most interesting thing about this particular obituary is one of my crowning glory moments uh, for, for this particular family when I was working with them was the, the progenitors, this William Seaman who came, uh, came in 1829. He came to Germany when he was uh, from Germany when he was a young man. And I wanted to give the family something about him, not just his dates. And I did some research and I found a diary by a woman who wrote in her diary the first words were, my first memory is seeing my Uncle William crying, because I'd never seen a man crying before. There had been a fire in the town, and his business was ruined. And that was her first memory. And that fire is mentioned in the obituary also, how important it was to him. So it, Google is my friend. Also, uh, Find a Grave is my friend. Now, of course, there's also various archives online, all kinds of them. The one that I work at is the Leo Beck Institute. And, the Leo, and their records, our records, are online. They're actually digitized and available online, as are many of the archives these days. Everything from the American Jewish Archives in Cincinnati to the Center for Jewish History uh, to all of these places. And, that's only for, Leo Beck is, is only for German, but the Center for Jewish History, <clears throat> which, in which it's included, is for everywhere, Sephardic and Ashkenazic, Eastern Europe, Evo. So here's the, um, the finding aid. I was looking for Gersley family from Ischenhausen. It's a name that pretty much only appears, that's where the family came from. And actually that book that I wrote in 1982, here it is listed when you, now that is not digitized and online, but it's referenced here. But many of these records that are archival records, you can look at them directly online. Now, some years ago when I gave a lecture just for fun, I looked up my book on Amazon. It was $75. So I thought, I thought today, a couple of nights ago, I went to look and it was $49. I have 100 at home. If anyone wants it, I'll give you a good price on it. But the interesting thing was, it had also a hardback for $75. There is no hardback. So I, I do not know what that person would be selling you. But in any case, um, my book is there. Uh, there, were, there are so many people interested in that family. There were not when I began. I mean, not because of me but just because of the way genealogy has developed. So we'll go back to them. We'll take a little sidestep into DNA. So the, my, my major rules, of course, that you have to have your 
test results in many places. There's not just Ancestry or 23andMe. There's Family Tree DNA. There's uh, MyHeritage has it also. And there's also a place called GEDmatch. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I'm Karen Franklin. If you ask me about DNA, I do not know that. There are many people who are experts. I understand Adam Brown has come to the area and spoken. He is the expert. But I can tell you just a little bit. So people ask, well, I already know my cousins, or I'm not interested. Why should I want to have my DNA tested? And I can tell you many stories of surprising results, what you would find. In one of them, I sit underneath a portrait of my great-great-great-grandfather, who was born in 1790 in Posen, which is Poland today. And he's allegedly had 13 portraits made of himself, which was incredible for the time, one for each of his children. And I've been searching my entire genealogy career to find the other portraits, and I never found them until I had my DNA tested. And two of the people who responded, who were closely matched, had two of the 13 portraits. So now we know of three. So uh, in their stories, there was a young woman. Um, this is a lecture in itself, but I did help reunite her. She had been adopted, and I helped reunite her with her birth parents. Uh, there, are, there was another similar story for a client, for another client. It wasn't necessarily directly benefiting him, but uh, as much as another one of his cousins, close cousins, who had lost her family. So it, there are many <coughs> reasons to have your DNA tested. So these are the ones I just mentioned, um, Ancestry, Family Tree. Family Tree DNA is the only company that tests Y-DNA. The Y-DNA is uh, handed from uh, father to son over the generations, and it can be the most helpful uh, in terms of really uh, finding close matches. GEDmatch, uh, you all remember the, you must, you're here, the Golden State killer who was able to be identified by DNA. Yeah. They use GEDmatch, which is where people voluntarily collect the results to compare to each other. And so that's another place, once you have your results, you could submit them to GEDmatch. Okay. I just mentioned the autosomal and Y DNA. You're saying that if, if you tested on Ancestry, you can get that results on the different websites? You, there are some intricacies, but basically for a few dollars you, or for free, you can send that to MyHeritage and it will be posted. You can send it to Family Tree DNA. You most of the time don't have to be tested a few times. Okay. You, can ha you just have the results sent. <clears throat> so I want to tell you a few stories from the DNA, not only Am I Karen Franklin? I don't know that. But I've said some really stupid things in my days. And one of the most embarrassing ones was I got an email message from a young woman, a middle-aged woman in Scotland, who wrote to me that she had just learned that she had 50% DNA that was Jewish. And in my idiocy, I said, wrote her back and said, that must have been quite a surprise. And her response was, yes. My dear old daddy is not my father. So, and that's not 
the only time there was another one just recently <clears throat> that I found out in Berlin. I had given it to, I have an expert who I work with in Berlin, and I gave him this case. This man had discovered that he was half Jewish, and when I was in Berlin, the researcher said to me, Karen, I don't think you understand the whole story. He said, this man who you sent me to because he's half Jewish, when you look at him, he's black. No. I mean, he's black, black with no distinctive features that identify him otherwise, and his mother was Jewish. And it just so happened it must have been that percentage, anomaly, or whatever. So he, he was very surprised to find out who he really was. I could go on and on, but well, oh, and then there was, I will go on and on, one that I did recently who was a, I got an, um, an email, he was a retired evangelical uh, Lutheran minister from Staten Island. And he found out that he had 25% uh, Jewish ancestry. That's for another time, but if you speak to me privately later, I'll be happy to discuss it with you. So this is what the results look like on some of the databases. This is the MyHeritage. Um, there's my son is the first match. And then there's someone I have no idea who he is comes out as the second match, and it's fairly close. One of the things about DNA, um, it's a really important rule or principle, is if you find out, if you look and see someone who's at the top of your list and looks like they're closely related, you have to know a fair amount about DNA before you write them and say, ah, my long lost cousin, because they could have this comp composite result, looks like you're close, but in fact, you're very distantly related from a long time ago, but have a lot of DNA in common. This is what it looks like on family tree DNA, which is what I happen to use the most. The reason it looks like so much is because it's my father, my son, my brother, my uncle, my father's uh, first cousin, and so on and so forth. Um, the nice thing that I like about family tree DNA is for people who aren't incredibly um, knowledgeable and can figure out all the tools, you can put a family tree on that other people can see uh, if they're matching to you, and it will, once you, they know a little bit about you, one cousin you add, it can tell you who's related to you on your mother's side and your father's side. I mean, all of them can do that, but this is just very clear to see. Hi, this is Shmuley Yanklowitz. I hope you've been enjoying and learning something new from this podcast. If you have a moment, please consider making a contribution at www.valleybaitmidrash.org. Thank you so much, and now back to the learning. So what happened on Ancestry was, again, it's not that I found these distant cousins, but I found my second cousins. It was one of these situations where my great aunt didn't talk to her children, and then nobody in the family spoke to them, and so on and so forth, and we were reunited with DNA. Now, the real shocker in this is I discovered that my second cousin's son happens to be a sheriff in Wyoming. I'm sorry, in, in Montana. Mm -hmm. And I'm really giving some thought to maybe, do I want to go to Montana? Yes, maybe. It's beautiful. Beats right. Eastern Europe. Sometimes you get tired of Eastern Europe and you think, hmm, Montana. And there's Jews there. Now, this, uh, this is an ancestry feature, uh, which is incredible. Has anyone used through lines before? So what it does, 
Since my family is German, I'm able to actually, the trees themselves go fairly far back. And I've put the trees on ancestry. So what it does is identifies blue and red. Those are the people you know, you've put on the chart. And the people in green are the people who they think are your direct ancestors who you haven't found yet. And they find them from other people's trees and the DNA. So that this is, here I am. And I go back to this great whatever, whose name is Schlesinger. But there are a bunch of other people, Kirk, Wendy, and John, Braggiotti, and, and uh, Kirkpatrick. Uh, and they have, they, Ancestry has figured out that we're probably related on the Schlesinger side and made a tree, a, a guesstimate, as to how I'm related. And one of them, one of the, one of the top is 1719. And it's figured out these are people I would never have found on my own or could only imagine how much work has been done. So DNA is unbelievable. So, yeah. I'm confused. How would, some, how would they know of somebody's DNA if the person never put their DNA? They did. The, the other person put the DNA on Ancestry and the tree on Ancestry. Well, no, that's where they, that's where they estimated. So um, this guy, there's actually another person over here. And they knew that we both had the same, we were both going back to Schlesinger's, and we were related to all of these other people with the same DNA matches. So they figured it out, probably how we're related. But how would they know that somebody in 1719 was related? Because some other person had him on the tree. I did not. I only went back to uh, two generations later. But they can't match his DNA to yours. Yeah, they, all these Schlesingers, all these people who had these trees that went back to Schlesingers, we all had the same DNA components. So they figured out it's not for sure, but that's probably, I mean, it's an incredible thing. Yep. When you get DNA done, do you need to specify how much you want? how broad you want it to be, or, or, or just you just give your, your sample of the... You give your sample, but you can choose that you only want to see the results from close relatives, that you don't want uh, all 20,000 potential, only ones that have large amounts of DNA. So you can't specify that up front? Okay. Right. So now I've given you a little hint to who this might be. Can you figure out who this is? This is the adopted child for whom I found her birth parents. And this is her father. Kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, I would say there's a mild family resemblance, wouldn't you? Yeah. That, um, if we have time at the end and you don't have any questions, which is unlikely, I will tell you some of that story. OK, and the best part of, of this uh, reuniting of the daughter and her mother was an email that she wrote me, uh, that she wrote to me about her mother. She said, June 9th was the birthday I have been dreaming of since I found out I was adopted. And you, can you all read the rest? Because it, it breaks me up when I read it. And that's why we do what we do. Okay, Jewish Jen. Jewish Gen is a subsidiary of the Museum of Jewish Heritage, a living memorial to the Holocaust in New York City. It's uh, New York's um, Holocaust Museum. And I want to show you something in this photo. 
Do you see what this is? Right. So I've only always worked there part time, but I always used to say I was the only person who cried on my way to work every time I went to work. And that was because I have the letter that my father wrote when he was eight years old about passing the Statue of Liberty on his way to the United States. Um, so this is part of the Jewish Gen website. But now I'm telling you this all in humor. I hope you will appreciate it since it's about Eastern European ancestors. But the, the photos they have <clears throat> on, on uh, Jewish Gen are from the, the little towns with the mother and father and the nine children. Well, my family's been here for a real long time in the United States, so I just substituted my ancestor for one of those uh, photos. It's nothing, I'm not, I mean, it's just a diversity that I'm showing. There's no other value attached to it. Excuse me. <coughs> so <coughs> the kinds, so Jewish Gen had many different parts to it. <coughs> It's both the network where you connect to other researchers and potential family members. <coughs> Sorry. Just <coughs> a moment. But it's also the records themselves by country, Holocaust records, um, burial records, and I'll show you how they work. How many of you know Jewish Gen? How many of you have been on Jewish Gen? Okay, so not everybody. There are also Jewish community pages. So each one, when you find the town, <clears throat> tells you if there's a memorial book, if there's a website for the town, um, the towns nearby, which you'll see. <clears throat> and the, the memorial books were written by the survivors in various towns. They often have town histories in them. And the Kahila links are as if it was happening today that people write the information they know about the town what kind of records are available, and you'll see those. So this is what the Jewish Gen site looks like. Is this just for Europe? Oh, no. It's, it's for it's Sephardic research, South America, worldwide. South Africa. Yeah, there's stuff for you, too. Yes, yes. But eventually, they, they came from Europe originally. No, well, her parents, somebody did. Right. Right, so it'll eventually take you back, yeah. I was wondering, uh, you're bringing up Eastern Europe and so forth, but I was wondering about birth and tax records, birth, death, and tax records from, say, for instance, the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Which is included. So those are it'll all be included, yep. <clears throat> and I didn't plant them there. That's actually part of the, the deal. So there is one place that you can look up everything, but some of the, uh, the more regional databases are more significant. So this is a list of the databases. You don't have to read it. Those kids made it real tough to do that. But even if it were larger, we're going to go through them, some of the major databases. And I'm going to tell you which ones I use the most. You may not use the same ones, but these are the ones I find the most interesting. Uh, and these are just some statistics about the Jewish Gen Family Finder. So what the Jewish Gen Family Finder is, people Post, this is the town I'm interested in. This is the name I'm interested in. If your name is Levy, this can be very helpful to you. So I'm looking for this Gersley family from Ischenhausen, just as an example, because it's, it's very simple. There's also the sound system for the name of the town. 
So if you don't know it exactly, it can be helpful. Or also for the name, too, if it's Lipschitz. You know, good luck with it unless you have a Soundex system. So here I am. There are 10 researchers who are looking from this town. I was the, uh, the first one to post. There's a whole bunch of others. And I could write to any one of them on a link on the site. You do have to register for Jewish Gen to use some of these databases. It's for your own protection and security so that people can't steal all of the uh, information from it. So you can click, and I can contact any of these people, and I might tell them who I am and see if they know my family. Or in another case, which I always find even more useful, is there's lots of different families from this town. And I look at them, and I write them, and I say, I'm just starting. I know nothing about the research. Can you tell me what records are available? That's really the most direct way of learning very quickly, so you don't have to do all that work yourself. And generally, people are very, very helpful. And you could be on their family tree, too, and you just don't happen to know it. Yeah? If you just know what country they came from and their last name, you don't know. So we can go back to, so the, if you don't know the information and you want to know how to find it, um, as a rule, the first place that I go to is either the trees that are already listed, because if someone has done even part of your family tree, it might have the name of the town on an already published family tree. But the second place I go to is the Ellis Island records, because if they came over before, after 1905 or so, the, the names of the towns are on the Ellis Island records. After, 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 after 1905. When they, if they came over, yes, they'd probably be on the record. Yeah, so if they came over in the 1800s. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, so you can ask these other people from the Family Finder in your town, where are the records, or are you related? So do you, you have a question? No? Yes? Going back to the databases, the discussion groups, which I didn't mention before, there's a daily discussion group, and there's an archives of the discussion group. So you can look in the archives and see if anyone has ever looked for that name of that town or your family name. Or if you're just starting, you can write your story and what you're looking for and see if anybody responds to you or any kind of research question you could put on the discussion groups. They just changed the format. This one has all kinds of information about DNA and some articles that were published recently uh, in that connection. So the discussion groups can be very interesting. I just love this particular one <clears throat> about Ischenhausen. The, it has Gersley's in it and the other family names, and the guy who wrote was a philosophy professor at Williams College. It's kind of interesting, and now at Princeton. So the Ellis Island database that we just mentioned, this is the um, one-step database. It was um, developed by uh, a, a guy was also a Microsoft computer chip uh, inventor, so he knows what he's doing. And again, these are all, the way you can look it up, these are all the Kulikovskis from Tim Kavici. The name of Tim Kavici was spelled in many different ways, as was the family name. But using the uh, Soundex systems, found a lot of them. Well, there are other places that people came in through Boston or through whatever. And Ancestry has a lot of that stuff indexed. And 
No, but you might find it on Ancestry itself. So these are the community databases. This is the sample page. This one's Fish and House, and I'll show you some other ones. It has the names of all the towns nearby. The reason that's interesting is if your family came from Minsk, but you don't know the exact town, but you know it started with SH, then you can look at all the towns nearby and see if any of them sound the way your grandmother sounded. It, it also tells you that the cemetery has been indexed. That's Jobar. Uh, it tells you that there are 92 people who are, have done family finder listings. And it tells you there are memorial books for the town that have been uh, either that are in existence or have been translated on Jewish gen. It also, many of these links have, for example, photos of the synagogues and all different other great information. Here's one for Vilna. Uh, it also has every, every way the name was spelled or could have been spelled. So if you know the name that your great-grandmother said it by and it happened to only have been used for a short period of time, it will be listed. And this one has a Kahila links too. It has that website that was put together by Jewish genealogists to try and help others. And Jewish Gen also has a map by Jewish community. So you can see here's Vilna. You can see the closest communities have these little trees on them. You can click on it and it gives you other information. So let's do a little bit on the Kahilinks page with Trahovich, which was in Poland and is now Ukraine. I happen to love this site that other people put up. It has, um, it has the history of Galicia, uh, different shtetls nearby, the petroleum industry, which was very um, big in that town, a whole section on the different families that people sent their family photos and their family stories, uh, and resources and maps. It's an unbelievable page. And uh, if your family is from that town, how do you get to that page? Um, well, the Jewish communities page. So if you go to this communities list, it's on that very first page that I showed you of the databases. Uh, you can see, I, I get that. And you click on the communities page and put in Drahovich. On the top, it will tell you all of the different things where Drahovich can be found, and you can just click on it. It links right to it. So why am I showing you this particular page? This is one of these families pages. And people put up their um, photos of their family. But for some reason, this guy must have been really happy about this particular ancestor. Because for those of you who might not be able to read it, which is everybody, it says, Leo Sternbach achieved fame as the inventor of Valium. <laughs> so I thought that was very humorous. But wonderful photos on this particular page. This is. <clears throat> This is the petroleum industry. There's a whole section on it. It's actually a whole book about the petroleum industry in Drahevich. Now, there's also on Jewish Gen special interest groups. So that's people in Ukraine who are responsible for indexing records. What makes Jewish Gen different from all the other websites is both the networking and but also the volunteers to help. So, for example, in Lithuania. If your family's from Lithuania, there are people who index records town by town and put them up. 
And if you want to, if you don't understand, you can write to them. There's a special interest group of all the people from uh, Lithuania. And so here we have, this is really one of the most wonderful databases, a burial registry. And there are over two million names, everywhere from Zimbabwe, places you cannot imagine people have indexed the cemetery, sent them in to Jewish Gen. So I'm looking for Gerstleys, the ones from Mischenhausen who settled in Pennsylvania and New York. And lo and behold, these are all the places where Gerstleys are buried, including, so it's California, Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, on and on and on, Argentina, South America, and Uruguay. I never would have thought to have looked in Uruguay for my distant cousins. But are and you necessarily related to all those people? In this particular case, yes, because everyone, it's one of those, you get lucky if you get that name. And there are a few people who have the kind of name. But you can, I mean, the, the, with the burial records, if you get the death certificate, you can trace it back and right. see if they're related. These are all the ones from Montevideo, Uruguay, the three that are in there. And they're already going back into the late 1800s. So the memorial books, with the some have a necrology, the list of people who died. Also, there's some wonderful uh, additional material. This is this is one general one. The um, the places that are in blue, those are the ones that they are linked to. And of course, Jewish Gen continually adds more translations, really chapter by chapter, in the little in the towns. So if you find a, a, a Yisker book, a memorial book, and it's not yet translated you can pay directly to have it done. This is one of, I don't know, somehow a story just hits you. This is a story I find very compelling. It was in a memorial book. They're not just from the towns, there are also some that are more general. And this past year, Jewish Gen published a Passover companion, which was someone took from all these different towns stories that people had written about Passover. And the one that just touched me was about Passover in, um, I believe it's, it's Auschwitz itself. And I'm going to ask someone else to come up and read it, because I know you can't read it from where you're sitting. Are there any volunteers to come up? Come, yeah. At that time, I was assigned to a special unit. So, so this is, sorry, this is in Auschwitz, and it's about Passover in Auschwitz. And it explains why, how they came to have matzah for the Seder in Auschwitz. At that time, I was assigned to a special unit called by the peculiar name of Canada, whose job was to assort the belongings of murdered Jews. Thus, the worldly goods of slain Greek Jews came to our place of work. We opened the miserable packages and, to our surprise, found hand-baked matzo raisins and other necessary Passover products carefully prepared for the Seder. With trembling hands, knowing how meaningful these items were to the dying Jews, we hid them in a secret place to make good use of their sacred purpose. After hard and dangerous preparations, in order not to be caught by the SS men, we finally accomplished our first task and hope to celebrate the lovely holiday of freedom while being slaves in a concentration camp under the yoke of Nazi Germany. 
These are the various country databases, Lithuania. Um, there are several ways you can get at it. It's, it's the one thing that Jewish Gen has that, that none of the others has. None have, none has. That, which? Is that a database? It's their databases. They, they go by country. So, and there's some for South America, South Africa, things that people have compiled from the various component databases. So this is the Lithuanian database, and it comes from the Family Finder, the Burial website, Yisker Book Necrologies, donor lists, medical personnel, census records, and various specific databases. They're all component databases for Lithuania. And what's really neat about Jewish Gen is if it, I told you my family was from Posen, it's now Poland. No matter whether I look in the Germany database or the Poland database, that information is going to be there because it's geographic, not by country. So it will be every place that town ever has been. Uh, this is the one for Belarus. And when I put in Kulikovsky, it comes out in various kinds of databases, a names database, voters list, Jewish partisans, the Yitzker book necrology, uh, and the family tree of the Jewish people, which I forgot to mention, the family tree of the Jewish people is yet another already compiled um, family tree. This is what it looks like. Uh, this is what the revision lists look like. Um, with the revision lists are basically census records. And there's also JRI Poland, which there is another group who index Polish records. And it's unbelievable material um, that's available through Jewish Gen, even though it's a separate organization. So um, I, I don't want to get started on my clients again, all the interesting things that I found for them. But in this particular case, my, client, <clears throat> my client's grandfather, his birth certificate I found, and my client's grandfather's brother. And there's a little problem with the birth certificate I found. Because here's the brother, and it has the various information. His brother was Jacob, and it has their fa his father's name. Do you notice that the birth certificate for my client, father's name is Wolfert, was William in the United States. There is no name of the father. So. Uh, we know it's mentioned elsewhere. That was a big surprise. I've had many surprises that I've done for clients. <clears throat> One of the, and they always, I always do reports for them and they all want all this bank robbers and, and gangsters. <laughs> they, they're all in there, they're all happy, they think it's great, a few embezzlers. But there was one who said, no, you may not put it in the book. It wasn't this guy, he thought it was funny. But these two sisters, who were told by their, uh, who told that um, their grandmother was an opera singer. And after she married the grandfather, the grandfather said, no, no more singing. So the sisters asked me, could you please find out what opera, our operas our grandmother was singing in? <laughs> well, <laughs> they weren't operas, they were vaudeville shows. <laughs> so please, and they were, uh, they were really broad, uh, vaudeville shows. They said, please do not put that in. <laughs> So these are independent organizations. Um, so there's that Litvak thing and the Jewish records in this thing, Poland. Now you know about Ellis Island. But the one that we haven't discussed so far are the genealogy societies. And they're also 
listed there. There are one or two in the Phoenix area, so you can certainly go directly to a, a meeting of the Jewish Genealogical Society in this area um, for specific questions you may have, and genealogists are really great about giving advice. And the family tree of the Jewish people, which I just mentioned, this, this tree on Jewish gen. And finally, um, I don't use this a lot, but so that's why it's at the bottom of the, the list. But um, if you have some postcards that you want translated that are in Yiddish, you can post them. You upload them, and you ask, could someone tell me what this message from my great grand You can't do it if you have a box of them. But if you have just a few, and in this case, uh, this woman wrote that it's received by her husband's grandfather. Perhaps it's possible to translate. And in just a few minutes, someone had translated, uh, reminding him about Shiva and saying Kaddish and, and, and what it was all about. Wow. Is it all in Yiddish that they do? No, any language. So they'll do Polish? Polish, okay. um, German, everything. So, um, yeah, there's info files now. Ask me questions. Yes. Um, I recently signed up for 23 and mm -hmm. I was told it's fantastic. I'm not sure why I did it, but I was told it was fantastic, and you'll get all kinds of um, information about all your relatives, and you'll get all kinds of medical information. I wasn't impressed with what I got. I mean, medical information, I didn't see any, unless I don't know how to read it. It just said, it said I'm 99.9% Ashkenazi Jew. But what was very interesting is I have a lot of relatives that I know. Now, one of them was on that list, so I assume because they never put their DNA in. Right. But there were 630 relatives, of which I knew none of them, not one. Two of them were first cousins. So now, how is it possible that, so I didn't understand I could have a first cousin that I don't know. And mm -hmm. the rest was second, third, fourth, so forth. Mm -hmm. So I wrote to one of the first cousins. It didn't even sound like a Jewish name. Okay, it sounded like a Polish name. And it said that the woman was born in 1945, and her son Mark was born in you know, 1980 or something. So I wrote to the mother, and I and I explained who I was, and I did. And I basically said, can you communicate with me? So I some information. I don't know where she is. This, about three days later, the son wrote back to me. My mother doesn't speak English, but she, she tells me there was absolutely no relative alive because she was the only survivor of the Holocaust. So is it possible that this DNA is wrong? Because I'm going to go back and say, and I don't know, and there's no yeah. way for me to know that I guess it was from my mother's side or my father's side, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing that tells me, it just says it's a first cousin, unless there's a way of finding it out. And so I don't know what size I was going to give her all my mother's siblings, most of them who died in the Holocaust, and my father's siblings. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the, pl that's the place to start. Yeah. I mean, especially Holocaust. She's, she's sure that there's not one survivor. She's been checking it for years. Mm -hmm. She was born in 1945. Mm -hmm. so I, I don't know. Is it possible that the DNA is incorrect? In a case like this, I would really send it to an expert. You know, who, who could help you out because this isn't an idle, let's have fun. This is, I think, pretty serious and with a close connection. Sometimes they say first cousin, and it's because it's called endogamy. You know, if the first cousins marry back or they've been in the same town for years and years, 
they're going to look like they're more closely related than they are. So I, w I actually would have to look and see if it's a very long connecting match. Sometimes this means it's very close. If there's a lot of it, but it's little pieces, it means that the relationship is really far back. So I'll be happy to give you the names of some people that might be worth either volunteer or have them do a, a very serious work. Yes, sir. I found two sources. I just Let me tell you what they were. Maybe you could comment on them. GenMatch has, at the, when you go on the website, it's got a link to a YouTube video explaining what it does. Mm -hmm which I found to be helpful. You can also, without a charge, if you go, if you, my, I did the DNA on Ancestry several mm -hmm. years ago. I was able to upload my DNA to GenMatch. Right. Mm -hmm. they and they were able to, uh -huh. It took a couple of weeks to, to get back to me. And they matched me up with people who had similar DNA things, but mm -hmm. with a lot of technical information. And it's a really, I find, like, I'm just getting into it, but it's a really good place to start. It is. Uh, Jed, yeah. One, one more thing before I have a shot. No, no, fine. There's an article in one of these scholarly journals. I have a cousin who just immersed in DNA. We all have one of those cousins, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> there's an article that said something about if you're an Ashkenazic Jew and you run you know, when you upload your DNA, you're going to find you got 3,000 first cousins. Mm -hmm. Well, you really don't. Right, because they're all but, you know, in the same town. We all got, you know, we all wandered through this swath of the pale from Lithuania through yep. Ukraine for 1,000, 1,500 years. And during that time, it was It was the same, from, yeah, it was the same family. Yep. To marry yep. or, or uh, yep. people yes. intermarry. So, so Jews, uh, yep. Thank you. Yes. Clear, clear whatever it is. Clear so it up. If, don't be put off if you got 300 first cousins or whatever it is. There's a way, you know, if you're interested enough, you can. Thank you. Those yeah. Anyway, yes, no, thank you very much. Yeah, that sounds about right for, oh, okay. for a so, first cousin. I mean, I recognize and know who the first eight or ten people are with the exception of one person. Yeah, they, they all are related. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I recognize with the exception of one person. But then I have 1,200 or 1,300. <laughs> it's the it, same and thing. And it even explains, by the way, and in, this, and in my case it happens to be true, that you could be a first cousin, but be in different generations too. Also, right, so. you test, right, and it'll say first cousin or or say second cousin three times removed, yeah. or yeah, yeah, because to just to hedge but their I've best. To, I mean, I've written to a couple of people. Some people, one person said, "Oh, I just wanted to, you know, do you know this person? I saw you were a match with me," and I said, "Yes." That person is uh, was my wow. dad is your. Was so there you go. Sister. So then you know how. And, and she that's said, okay. I said I can send you a picture. Right. Oh no, that's okay. <laughs> right. It depends on why people put these names up. What what stories they have. Yes. Do you still accept clients? Yes, but I'm not here for that purpose, and I really am only telling you this to have a little fun. So we we can talk later, but. 
But yes, yeah, so please don't think that that's, that's what I'm, I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, yes. So I think I'm backing up again because I have such little information. I think a lot of people have more information. Um, if you had, if one of the relatives has a very common last name, I'm wondering how difficult that is when you go into the Ellis Island records, like the name Levin or something. It's difficult, but, but so, so um, there are a lot of ways to narrow it down um, before you get there. One of the other things we had not even talked about is, and I don't know what Arizona uh, burial practices are like. I suspect it's a little different in New York, but if they came to New York, in the early 20th century, late 19th century, they were often buried in one of these benevolent societies with the name of the town. So that's, for example, one way to start if the name is Levin, or an obituary, or there's all kinds of tricks to find out. Would they able to trace if they just came through Ellis Island but immediately went to the Midwest, like Milwaukee? Sure. So they, they would be able to trace, so that would break it down. Right, and also the census record would tell you what year they came, so you would be able to narrow it down, and sometimes I go by year and first name, you know, depending, um, you know, with some of the, the variations and stuff. Or tombstones. Yes. Or tomb and tombstones that have the father's name. Yep. Yep. I joined Jewish Gen a little while ago and put a lot of names in different areas, and most of them came back with a zero, so it doesn't Didn't know. necessarily mm -hmm. mean that mm -hmm. they are not, but with Chibot Dwight, but one came back with two yeses, but I could never... I, I, I clicked on it, yeah, yeah, and I can't see so why. Let's talk later, and yeah. oh, okay. I'll be helping you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Other, other questions? Mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I, just, huh? I was taking a cruise and took and left from Hamburg, Germany, so I had a day or so before. There's a museum in Hamburg, the Museum of Emigration. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, as a tourist, went in and looked. They had more records of my family name there than mm -hmm. I've ever found in the States. This is a really good point, and thank you for bringing that up, because when you go on Ancestry, you get the Ellis Island records from when they arrived. And in Hamburg, if your family was lucky enough to have left from Hamburg, there's these Hamburg passenger lists, and they all have the name of the town, even if they came in the late 1800s, when Ellis Island wasn't uh, registering those places yet. So thank you. Yeah. Any other comments? Um, Last one, because I think, yeah. We did uh, DNA testing like 15 years ago, and it was just starting with some alpha, I don't remember which one. Then last year, did 23andMe, and the data came back like totally different. It's like they were analyzing at different levels or something. So they've learned a lot more now that they have a larger group to, to come from. But just um, as a general case, uh, there are some, I think, uh, MyHeritage <clears throat> Family Tree DNA gives you more information. Some uh, ancestry will say, oh, you're 8.3%, but they won't tell you which other people, you know, you can't really analyze it on your own. So, sorry, that doesn't answer your question exactly, but yes, there are many more people in the pot. You guys, thank you. Okay, last, last question. <laughs> Is there a way to find out what ports people came in to Ellis Island from? Yes, because the ship record will say oh, that it's that from Liverpool or, or we'll have information about the ship. Yeah, I, or, or if they came in through Philadelphia or Baltimore, you know. Um, and the naturalization records, too. Thank you. But I'm not good in naturalization. Remember, I'm Karen Franklin. I don't know that. So. What were some of the main ports besides Ellis Island and Boston that Jews came into? Well, early they came, I think, to Savannah. Um, well, they came to Ellis Island. 
to the Boston. So, so they, came they came in through Canada too. They so it could be Canada. Yeah. Uh, good luck. I mean, that's why ancestry can sometimes be helpful in identifying it. Last, last penultimate. <laughs> yes. Before Ellis Island, there was Castle Garden. There was Castle Garden. Unfortunately, uh, 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 ancestry uh, includes those as well. Uh, they, uh, see me privately. I thank. Okay. Right. And that library was so helpful. They mm. would like women to look for any information. You're lucky it wasn't New York. Yeah, <laughs> good for you. Uh, I'm happy to help answer your question. I have to say, you, you all had great questions. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Shmuley Yanklewitz. I hope you enjoyed listening to this fascinating lecture. At VBM, we strive to bring you only the best in Jewish educational programming. To do this, we host a wide variety of events throughout our learning season, including panels, classes, and lectures, like the one you just listened to. Please consider going to www.valleybetemidrash.org and donating to VBM to support meaningful Jewish education in the greater Phoenix Jewish community Indeed, all around the country and the world. Thank you so much for listening.